Oh man, thank you, thank you, Matt, for praying. God's so amazing. <laughs> I I was so just like a minute ago impacted by by everything being for His glory. Doesn't that change everything? <laughs> the the image that I've been looking at in in our vegetable garden this week is uh, is these leeks that we planted. Leeks are these great vegetables, you cut them up and they go in everything. Uh, but we let, we let them go too long, which is a good thing because now they have these huge bundles of seeds at the top. Am I speaking too loud? Is this like deafening? Okay. So they have these huge bundles of seeds at the top and, and they've started, they're, these long, they're like that tall, right? And they have these huge seeds. And, and so they're gonna grow more leeks next year, which is a miracle, right, that a seed exists. But they, they, started, they started bending like, like this. I can't do it. Like, like they're, they're bending the seeds to the ground, which is brilliant, brilliant design. And, and they're, so they're going to drop these seeds, and then we'll have like a bajillion leeks to eat next year. I was thinking about everything being for God's glory and how that has so much to do with us making that gesture before him. And him, I was just seeing the father like just standing, stepping back and giving us enough room to just bow. <laughs> Um, like, even try it. Like, with someone sitting next to you, like, try bowing your head and closing your eyes in front of them and feel how vulnerable it is. Like, it's this gesture. Like, even if you try it, you don't have to. But try it with someone. Like, it's, like, so... It's so totally yielded. And I think there's such beauty in that. And that, that is what activates these, these, these dimensions of the Father's heart that I think we can't find apart from that kind of submission. Nick asked me to speak on the Father's heart, and I'm so excited about that. And then childlikeness is, of course, a part of that. And I, I talked about childlikeness whenever I was talking last. Um, but I was thinking about the, the wonderful things that Nicholas has been sharing about, about offense and, and about us not carrying that. And I think that has a lot to do with childlikeness. I was watching Lois, our daughter, this week, and I promise not to just talk about my kids the whole time. I know, I know that's a thing, <laughs> but they do teach you so much about the Lord. I was watching Lois, even tonight she has, with, with my wife Dottie, she had this like rainbow banner, and I was thinking how totally she would just accept it if, if we told her that's a cape, she would like put it on. It'd be no problem to make that transition. Or if we told her that would allow her to like hold it up to the wind and fly, like she'd probably try it, right? Like totally, totally straightforward. And kids in conflict do the same thing. Right? If you've seen like three-year-olds have a disagreement over a truck or something, they, they say what they mean, and they do what they mean, and they try to get the truck, but then four minutes later, like, they are harboring no bitterness. Isn't that beautiful? Like, there is this image of, of walking in honesty and in, in just total yieldedness to God's goodness there. Like bowing to, to, to the Lord and in the process bowing to someone else and yielding to them. I was also thinking about that flatness with which kids accept things, like the rainbow banner just being, any, being a cape, and, and thinking about the ways that that could translate into our life as believers. Like, what if we accepted truths in the gospel just as flatly? <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? It'd probably change everything in the world if we did that. Like, Jesus says, go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And he just says, do it, right? Like, what if we prayed like that, right? That's it, that's like, 
Like Bill Johnson says, that's the normal Christian life. <laughs> I want to read through some truths about, about who the Father is to us, which of course puts us in the position of, of children, and then when children grow, eventually heirs to the kingdom. Um, at the end, at the end, if you guys are, are okay with this, I'd love to um, have you, if you want to read, just like stand up and read this sh- a short scripture just out loud, and we'll just go like left to right, back, 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 left, right, back, 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 like that. Um, all the way around, these are just a few of the promises that show the Father's heart that I found this week. Isn't that cool? <laughs> um, so think about accepting our mission, our call, with the kind of flatness that kids accept new things, and also accepting these truths about the Father. So if you want to read out loud, take one of these. Matt's already got one. (laughs) There you go. But no pressure if you don't want to. But you get a bookmark. It's on super fancy paper. (laughs) Okay, so we'll do that at the very end. As I was praying this week about the Father's heart and just maybe what, asking him for what he might want to say to us about that, I, I felt like I had three things come to my heart. And these, these came to me at 8 o'clock in the morning. All the, both of the kids, Simon and Lois, were still asleep. And Dottie was still asleep. If you're a parent of toddlers, you know, 8 a.m. and everyone's asleep is, like, impossible, right? <laughs> yeah, but it happened. It was amazing. So I was like, I had just woken up naturally, not with any shouting. Yeah, that, that's it. <laughs> so I was, I was sitting there, um, I was lying there, and I was asking the Lord, like, what do you want to say? And I got these three things. So I, I sort of structured things around those. Just asking him, Lord, what in this season, what do you want to say to us about your heart? And the first one was, I felt like I heard him say, I abide over you. And it was this, this, with this picture of a roof that's like over our heads. So look up at the roof. Right, like the roof here, it's, it's geared upwards like an arrow to point your eyes to heaven. Or like Chloe Heth, who helped start this church, she used to talk about how weird she thought it was that we would pray with our eyes closed instead of praying like this, right? Like looking up to heaven. And I think there's really something profound in that, like looking up. The Father is this roof over our heads. So I'm going to read a few of these things, and these are, these are in addition to what I just passed around. These are more aspects of, of the Father's promises over us. Especially if your earthly dad was not, was not a, a beacon of, of trustworthiness or gentleness or kindness or love. Especially if, you, if you're carrying an experience like that. Lean into these. This is, this is your heavenly father. Whatever your experience was. So I, he says, I abide over you. Second Corinthians 6.18. He says, and I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. Psalms 27.10 says, He will receive you even if your own mother and father rejected you. Psalm 68, A father to the fatherless he is, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. What struck me about that was that he's still in his holy dwelling and he's a father to us, which means he's inviting us to his house, which is really different than I might think of God just sort of hovering somewhere out here. Right? The father says, I'm in my holy dwelling, and I'm a father to the fatherless. Like, come into my home. That is profound. Psalm 103, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. He's the father of compassion and the God of all comfort from 2 Corinthians. 
He's a righteous father. He will never drive us away if we come to him, from John 6. He sent us an advocate in the Holy Spirit who, like Jesus, is here to reveal the heart of the Father. That's everything Jesus did, just revealing that. So Jesus is healing people. He's revealing the Father's heart. Jesus is showing mercy. He's revealing the Father's heart. Think about that. Like, read the Gospels that way. I've not done it yet, but I'm, I'm excited to try. He, God, opens the door when you knock. He's inviting you to his house. He's gracious, compassionate, slow to anger. He's abounding in love. From Psalm 103, This is from James 1. Every gift he gives is good and perfect, even if it's unexpected, (laughs) right? Sometimes they are. He's the father of heavenly lights. He does not change like shifting shadows. His love for you is as high as the heavens are above the earth, from Psalm 103 again. And that says for those who fear him. There's this other dimension of childlikeness here, that children are way freer than I am as a, as a not kid anymore of this whole fear of man thing. Does anyone else wrestle with that? Like thinking a lot about what other people think of us? <laughs> like, you don't have to raise your hand, but I do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All the time it's this trap and kids don't care. <laughs> they're, just, they're just who they are. Fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I think fearing the Lord is the pathway into not fearing other people and what they think of us. And that's profound. As as we fear him, his love for us is as high as the heavens are above the earth. And the whole way down, it fills that space in between. Here's discipline. This this bothered me before I I was a parent. Because I would think about discipline like, wow, is that like, what what does that mean? What does that look like? And I, I, I get it differently now. Hebrews 12 says, even his discipline produces a harvest of peace and righteousness. Even his discipline. So I was thinking about that and, and thinking about my, my own earthly dad, which is who I know as, as a dad here. And I remember this time I was a kid and I was being a total brat and I'd thrown my toys, like carpeted the floor of my room and my parents were of course trying to get me, get me to clean up and I was refusing. And I remember my dad came up and this is his discipline, it was right. He came up with a snow shovel and a trash can. And he shoveled all my toys into the trash can. And I was still like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not cleaning up. He was just as stubborn as I was. Um, and so he filled this trash can and he took it away for I, I, I don't know how long, a long time. And so I had like way fewer toys. And he was teaching me to be a good steward in that moment. Right? Like what I was not doing was gratitude. What I was not doing was being respectful of the things that I had because I'd just thrown them all over the floor. And years later, he and my mom gave me this gift of four years at art school. And I had learned, like not just then, but through my whole childhood, I had learned to, to steward things. I had learned to respect the things and the relationships in my life. And that has borne fruit in connections that happen at art school. That's my, like my, over my whole adult life, that's born fruit. And it was discipline, like that was super uh, a bummer to have all my toys shoveled up and taken away for a while. <laughs> but then here's our father, even more than, than a great earthly father, his discipline produces a harvest of peace and righteousness. 
And these things about our Father, that, that he's for you, he's not against you, his love for you is higher than the heavens are above the earth, these aren't just like nice things. Of course they are, they're amazing. But also, they, they are life. They are, the, they are central to the Christian walk because as children, there's this part of us that comes into full, like full color when we are under the roof in submission under what he says about us. So we like walk into this, under this roof, and, and we come fully alive in a way that we weren't before. That is so cool. And these truths about who he is tell us about who we are. We are righteous not because anything we did, right? <laughs> we are righteous because he is righteous. And so we need to do nothing. Like he created this all for joy, and then he died on the cross for us, and he rose as us back to this new life. We need do nothing, and so we may do all things. Go, heal the lepers, heal the sick, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. We don't need to do that, but we can. <laughs> We're invited. Who he is tells us everything about who we are. And he, he chose us. That's what John 15, 16 says. He chose you. I have more names of God here. I think I'll, we'll come back to these later that are amazing. I heard uh, Stephanie Gretzinger, um, this is back in 20, November in 2020. Um, this is on the internet, on YouTube. Um, I heard her praying, and she, she quoted Matthew 25, and she said, in this season, she feels like it's time to buy oil. She said there's an urgency, but there does not need to be an anxiety. And I feel like there's something for us now, test this, but I, I feel like there's something for us now in walking into the Father's love that's gonna help us to shed, shed the, whatever Velcro is on us that allows the enemy to stick a fence onto us that's gonna shed fear and fear of man off of us. And there's something for us. There's, a, there's an urgency, but there does not need to be an anxiety for us to catch the Father's heart. So at the end, when we read all these things, and then we'll, we'll jump back into worship, if you guys are, are good with that, after, after everyone reads. My hope is that we all just step fully into the, the Father's heart, the Father's love. And of course, then we become children and later heirs. One thing that, uh, that's puzzled me, that's almost too good to be true, it seems it, in scripture, are these two uh, passages. This is Psalm 37, verse four. And if you want any of these scriptures, catch me after and I'll, I can, you can photograph my sheet of paper. So Psalm 37, four, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Like he cares about our desires. He cares about our dreams. I thought he was sovereign, right? But there's also this, like his sovereignty includes us. We're invited into his sovereignty. And then this, even, even more, Jesus says this. He's come to reveal the Father's heart. He says in John 14, 13 to 16, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Does that sort of freak anyone else out? Like a little bit? What's funny is, is not long after this, 
and, and Bill Johnson actually pointed this out. Not long after Jesus says this, um, two of the disciples, James and John, I think, go uh, to a city to minister. They are uh, not accepted. And they come back to Jesus and they, they say, hey, Jesus, um, if you're good with it, we would like to ask to call down fire on their heads, the whole city, just burn the whole city. <laughs> So they're asking whatever they wish. They desire that, <laughs> right? And Jesus is like, no, <laughs> that's not the Father's heart. So there's a, there's, clearly there's, a, there's something super complicated here. And I think the Father's heart reveals it. One thing that is, has been eye-opening to me in, in wrestling with this is walking with Lois, who's, who's our daughter, who's three, um, and sometimes when you walk, if I can, if I can get her like, to the athletic fields at Iowa or somewhere where there's no road she can run in, where there are sort of natural parameters, you know, like we love God. Think of all the parameters he's, he gives us, right? We love him, so we love the people around us. We don't call down fire on their heads. <laughs> we put others before ourselves. All that is like context, like there, there's not a road she can run into. So try this if you, if you, can, if you, if you have a toddler or if you... Uh, don't. I'm sure one of the families would love to go on a date and lend you their toddler. <laughs> Try this. Go to a safe space like that with a, with a toddler, so you don't have to worry about them running in a road, and, and then follow them instead of them following you. Like, they'll go over. Lois spent, like, like a long time with this little rock on the ground, like putting it under another rock and then brushing them away, and then another one, and like over and over and over again. And I was like, what are you doing? Wow, <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> but genuinely follow them everywhere for half an hour and do what they do. And I think you'll get a sense of the Father's heart that of course he doesn't want us to run in the road. The purpose of his discipline is so that his gifts won't destroy us. But his heart is Gosh, what, Lois, what are you interested in? That little rock? Oh, that is, that is amazing, you know? Like, what are your dreams? He wants to invite you into his dreams. He makes himself vulnerable to our dreams. Our dreams, just like us, our dreams come into full living color. Think like a black and white film turning to full color when they're under the roof of his vision for us and for the world, when they're under the roof of his truth. Like our dreams come alive in a different way. There's this moment in, in the story of the wedding at Cana where uh, Jesus is not yet sort of supposed to start his ministry. And if you remember Mary, his mom, uh, notices they're out of wine and she's like, Jesus, can you, can you, I know you can, will you multiply the wine? And he says, at first, my time has not yet come, right? Like that's the sovereignty of God. Jesus had a time to start his ministry, but what is profound is that God cares about what Mary asks for. He cares about the wedding enough that he would rescript his own plan and include Mary in his sovereignty somehow. Like I don't want to pretend to know all the dimensions of how that works, but there's something of the Lord's delight. Oh, cool, you care about that. Wine at the wedding. Oh, I'll give you wine. This is going to be like the best wine on the planet. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> the second thing at eight in the morning that I felt like the Lord 
gave me was related to the beginning of John's gospel. And the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And it was that, that you, us, we were in his thoughts before we had thoughts. I was thinking about that with our dreams. Like our dreams were in his heart before we had dreams. He knew about us. He knew the number of hairs on our head. How secure can that make you? Right, if you're feeling not very confident in the world, think about that. He knew about you before you existed and before you thought anything, he thought about you. There, there are seasons when, when we're supposed to lean into him where he says, and this is from Exodus 14, this is one of these moments. He says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Or like in John 14, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So we don't need to trek all the way to his house if we're using that kind of language. But he comes to us, right? Like we need only to be still, that's it. There are lots of moments like this. One, one that, uh, that I've experienced recently is um, at work, and I, I can share uh, what's mine to share, um, which is that there are, there, are, there are four or five stories of individuals' lives that um, have been guided by the Lord in a, in a beautiful direction. And, and I know those things are the Lord's leading individually. But those, those four or five events collectively have left the group of people I work with in like a really hard position, um, just with literally how do we get the work done in the hours that are in the day when the semester starts. Um, and it's, it's, it's nothing about, it's nothing about uh, anyone's responsibility, right? What's been amazing is that I feel like this is one of those moments where the Lord says, I will come to you. I will fight for you. You need to do nothing. And this whole time, as this has been going on, I have felt genuinely like total peace. If I think about how are we gonna do what's next, like in my brain, I can, I can come up with a bajillion problems, right? And I could, keep, I could list those for a long time, but, but really at the same moment, I feel this profound peace and that's the Lord, right? Like that is what he does, which is so, so good. So there's seasons like that, right? Where he says, I'll, I'll come to you. And then there are other seasons because he knows our thoughts. He knows what we need before we ask him. There are other seasons where in his sovereignty, he says, we're supposed to fight. And he says, like he said to Gideon, who's like crouching in this threshing pit, like as the enemy's coming on, he's so afraid. And Jesus calls him a mighty warrior. And he says, get up, like you, you go do this. And in that situation, what's so cool is that his calling always carries with it the provision that we need. Like it's a seed that's pre-packed with all the stuff we need. Even if we don't think that's true, <laughs> it's true. If we follow his calling. In those moments, we're invited to go to him, to find him in the middle of a struggle or a battle or a difficulty. We can go find him there. And testimony comes out of that, genuinely. Here's from Revelation, um, these words twice in four, Revelation 4, 1, and then again in Revelation 11, the Lord says, come up here, like I'll show you everything that's happening. Or come up here, I'll show you what's to come next. And there's obviously a specific context in Revelation that's way beyond me, 
But, but that's, that's true also in this context, I think, that when we go to him, he shows us strategy. You know, he shows us what was started in motion before we got into the middle of whatever difficulty we're in. That happened years ago, uh, before I came to Indiana and met Dottie. Uh, I was at this little vineyard church in, in Rochester, New York, and we had gotten kicked out of the space we were in. Uh, and, and we were looking for a new space. It was a karate studio we were meeting in, so we needed a new space because they were gonna do karate lessons on Sundays. So we started praying for a new space. This house miraculously came available. One of the people in the church owned it. They said, we want to live upstairs. The church can be downstairs. It'll be great. Big house. And then we realized that in order to get it legally to code, which in New York is a high bar, we had to put in $9,000 of work, which in a small church of artists and musicians was like not possible. <laughs> we had no nowhere near that amount of money. And so we started praying, and this had happened before we got into that. The Lord had, had started thinking about it. Our pastor, Dorothy Ross is, is her name, she gets a call right after we get this $9,000 quote to put on a wheelchair ramp, etc. She gets a call from this other church that says, it's the pastor calling her. He says, hey, Dorothy, we are turning into a series of house churches. That's where the Lord's leading us. We're selling our building. We were praying about what to do with the money. We heard the Lord say, $10,000, Dorothy Ross. Do you have a need for $10,000? Literally, this happened. <laughs> Months before, the Lord started saying to this church, I want you to be a series of house churches. You're going to sell your building. Dorothy Ross, $10,000. You'll find out. <laughs> Isn't that so cool? He knows before we get into it. Like, he knows us that well. This kind of freedom is, is part of childlikeness. It's part of what we are given when we step into being a child of God. And when we accept these truths that we'll all read in a minute about how he loves us. Am I going too long? I forgot to pay attention to the time. Is this good? Are we okay? Okay, for a few more. Okay. Um, okay, look at me with a frown if, <laughs> if I go too long. Okay. Yeah, gotta get down. So Galatians 4, 7, um, it says, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So in here, childhood precedes, it comes before being an heir to the kingdom and stepping into our inheritance. When we're a child, he feeds us a certain way, right? Paul writes, when I was a child, I, I, I didn't eat meat, right? And he feeds us as we need in the aspects of us that are childlike. In Matthew, Jesus says, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, unless you do that, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's like just as serious as Jesus saying, I will forgive you as you forgive others. Like those are both hard lines that Jesus lays down. Unless you change and become like little children. Because of course children, that state allows us to grow up to be heirs of the kingdom. But what's so cool here, this is, this is sweet, this is one of Lois's. Um, uh, what's so cool here, she like makes these brilliant things and then just like throws them. <laughs> Whatever, you know. <laughs> what's so great here is that an heir, I would think of as being sort of like, um, like we go from being a child to we're 
we're sort of like fully something, you know, and we stand up tall and we're an heir, but it's the opposite in scripture. It's much more like that leek, bending, bowing down. Jesus says in Matthew 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That sounds like a lot like an heir to me, inheriting the earth. Blessed are the meek. So an heir, after we are children, we grow, but we grow into meekness. Just like the Father's kindness, we get to, we get to model that. In 1 Samuel 2.8, it says, He, the Lord, raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sets them with princes and has them inherit the throne of honor. I think as an, as an heir, the, the Lord is, of course, raising us up, right? We're not standing up in this sort of like, uh, I don't know, belligerence or, or stubbornness in the face of the enemy. Like, we're not starting wars with the enemy. Does that make sense? But we're, we're following him. And if he's doing a war in this particular, well, of course, we follow him, right? His banner over us, that's where we go. But we go there as, as children, like delightfully just running. As an, as an heir in, in this planet, you sort of step into wealth that your family has, right? Like the, if your parents had a house, maybe you inherit that house, right? In the kingdom, I think there's probably that. Jesus says, behold, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But also, also in the kingdom, being an heir, like Jesus is an heir to the father as his son, going before us, showing the way Jesus is an heir he steps into the ways of his father, not just his father's possessions. So we need to be pursuing, not in a striving way, but in a, in a, in a God is good way, being like the father, because that's part of our inheritance, that behavior, kindness, gentleness, self-control, these fruits of the spirit, having his heart for people around us. I heard years ago this testimony of a guy, I don't remember who it was, but he was talking about asking the father for his heart. And he said, then he drove through his city and he just wept. He just wept because he felt that house. There's something happening that's, that's like a child's being abused in that house. And he, he, that was the father's heart. Like, what if we followed the father that way? Like that stepping into his sensitivity and his, 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 uh, his willingness to give up absolute cosmic power. <laughs> so the father, and this is modeling, he makes himself vulnerable to the desires of his kids, like Mary at the wedding. Leif Hetland, uh, who's a wonderful minister, he says, he says it this way about our position in the kingdom as children and as heirs. He says it's our position in the family not our performance in the family that establishes our identity and entitles us to our inheritance. That is such an anti-striving passage. So how do we run after the father under his banner, under the roof of the truths about how he is a father and try to be like him and not strive this way and accept that our inheritance comes from our position, not our performance like the prodigal son, we're never told that he stops being a son. He's a son the whole time. When he's going to wild parties, wasting all the money his father gave him, he's still a son. 
Like it's not his performance. All right, so this third thing, and, and we'll, we'll land here and then we'll go around and, and if you don't mind just standing and reading loud that scripture. Um, as we start worshiping, that would be great. Um, this last thing that I felt the Lord put on my heart was that, that lots is happening at a fast pace right now. Maybe some of that is in the world around us. Things are happening fast. But the image was, we were holding onto his back, almost like uh, Atreyu, if you've seen the never-ending story, like this giant flying soft dog. Not that God is that, but that was the image, right? We're holding on, and he said, things are going fast now, I can hear you, hold on. He's vulnerable to the dreams of his children, and he wants us to dream. I think that learning to deal with mystery, how to, how to rest in, in storms that we don't know the outcome of, like so much in the world that we live in right now, we don't know the outcome, right? We don't know what's next. And maybe it feels frightening at moments, right? Learning to be there, like Jesus, who's in a storm on a boat, his disciples are freaked out. They're experienced fishermen. And they know what a bad storm is. They're, they're like melting down, and Jesus is sleeping underneath. Bill Johnson said that we, we only have authority over storms we can sleep in. Isn't that cool? <laughs> so that is the peace of God. And we get that. How do we get that? Believing his promises flatly, like a kid would be like, yeah, that's a cape. He is so, so good. Jesus and I'll, I'll land here. Jesus addresses his disciples as his friends. He addresses them as his disciples. A few times, he, Jesus, the Son of God, addresses them as his children, which sort of surprised me. Like, I don't know if I had caught that before, <laughs> before this week reading. In these few scriptures where he does that, what's noteworthy here is that he does that. He calls them my children, his disciples, at moments when they can't understand, which is maybe where some of us are right now, as things are moving so fast around us, right? So here's this scripture. This is from John 13, 33. Jesus says, and listen to what he's saying. He says, my children, I will be with you only a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. I called Bill yesterday to ask about this, like, where is he talking about? And uh, he'll correct me if I misstate this, but there's some, there's some uh, different ways of reading it. Like, he could be talking about heaven. He could be talking about his Passover mission of death on the cross. His disciples may have thought he was talking about he's going to the Jewish diaspora, like he's going out of town, and he's telling them, you can't come with me, this is like a long trip or whatever. So there in this moment, his disciples, where they're like, what, you're going? What are you, where are you going? Like out of town, to heaven? What do, you, what do you mean? He hasn't said yet, I go to prepare a place for you. They're in this moment of confusion. I don't know what's next. Like kids a lot of the time are, right? Our son, Simon, I think he's brilliant. He's uh, five, three months, four months old? No, six months old. He was born at the end of March. He, he's, he's super smart, but he has no idea what's going on. 
so much of the time, right? He wakes up in the middle of the night, he can't see, the lights are out, we give him a pacifier. What is he, I mean, he doesn't know what that is, you know? And there's so much he doesn't understand. And that's all of us as grown-ups, of course, too. There's so much that we don't understand. What if we face it like this, leaning into what Jesus says, that's the moment when he calls him my children. What if we're a child of God at that moment? The Lord said to, to the writer of Corinthians here, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power, God's power is made perfect in weakness. Our weakness can be not understanding, you know? So we'll, we'll, we'll jump back into worship, stepping into this place under this roof of God's goodness. But as we do, if we could just go around and, and if, if you don't mind standing up, we're just reading loud that scripture. Um, that would be great, especially if your experience with your earthly dad was not embodied, it did not embody these things. Think about this. Like, let this wash over you. And I'll invite you also, you can use your outside voice. As these things impact you, if you want to respond, like if you want to shout, if you want to dance, if you want to start singing, and the next person will, you know, read after you sing, but let's kind of, you know, go through. Uh, or they'll read over you, like respond as this, as this impacts you. If you want to stand on a chair, like Nicholas shared. Yeah, yeah. no, you have to. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord. Amen. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the Joshua 1 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Yes. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. John 8, 36. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, and not to harm you. Plans to give you a First Peter 2, 24. He himself wore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die for sins and live for righteousness. By these wounds you have been Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people are called by my name, humble themselves and pray to see my face, and turn from their wicked ways, and I hear from heaven, and I forgive their sins, and heal their land.
a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 50, 15. And call me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you will Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff will comfort Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. <laughs> Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I, of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 86, 5. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Psalm 37, 